Okay, well, good morning, everybody. Hey, my name is Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central, and I got some of our staff up here today. They're going to help me with today's message. So, if this is the first Sunday you've been here <laughs> or you've come to, to church here at Central, it's going to be a good one. You picked a good one uh, to be here because we've been going through this series called Asking for a Friend, and uh, we're going to answer some other questions today, kind of in rapid fire succession. But hey, if you'd like to follow along with today's message, you can scan that QR code that's up on any of the screens that you see. But even better yet, like Noah said earlier, you can download that the Church Center app and everything's on there. You never have to use the QR code again. You can always go and just open up that app and it'll have the notes uh, there for you so you can follow along uh, today. So I've got some of our staff here with us. This is Noah. He is our student pastor. Um, this is Ryland. Yeah, the students, they were told to clap, weren't they? Okay. Paid okay, so to clap. Is, this, they didn't, they failed, failure. Okay, so this is Ryland. He is our, our worship and media arts pastor. That was better. And Mindy is our kids director. And yes. So uh, again, I'm Clayton, the pastor here, and we're glad that you guys, oh yeah, thanks. That was failure. I tried so hard and it didn't work. Okay. So over the last several weeks, we've been, we've been going through this series called Asking for a Friend. And we've asked some questions or, and then tried to answer those. And some of those questions are, do all religions worship the same God? And so we talked about that. Um, we asked the question, why does God allow suffering to happen? And that was a, that was a deep dive um, into scripture, talking about the fact that there, there is suffering in this world. And how do we respond to that? And then last week, we talked about, uh, is the Bible even true? And so we looked at a lot of evidence to show that the Bible, um, in fact, is the Word of God, and it's something that we can trust and, and believe in. Well, a lot of you have, on Facebook, y'all posted several questions, uh, more questions than the, the three that we've already done. And so today, we're going to try to answer some of those questions, big questions that people have about the Christian faith. And so here's how this is going to work. So I've got a bowl right here, and in the bowl, there are names of, of, for, for each four of us, and we're just going to randomly draw out of this bowl, okay? And if someone's name is chosen, they are going to answer a question that pops up on the screen. And so we've all studied all of the, these questions, so it's not just like just rando, okay? I mean, we, we're ready for these questions, but everybody up on stage only has five minutes to answer the question, okay? In fact, there's going to be a giant clock on the screen for you so you can hold us accountable um, to that, okay? You guys know me. It's not going to go good for me, okay? Um, so we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to do this. Um, I'm just going to mix them up. All the names are in here, and I'm just going to have Noah, you just mix it up and draw a name, and we'll please see. Not me, please not me. Oh, it's Mindy. Mindy has to go first. Yay. Okay. Man, that's right. what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm going to come closer to the screen here. Okay, you're going to switch places with Ryland. Okay, so Mindy, let me give you the question. Your timer starts. You ready? Uh, you know that I take that as a suggestion okay. and not as <laughs> yeah, gospel. She doesn't care. Okay, so here is your question. Is drinking alcohol a sin? I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is an onion with a lot of layers. There is not a quick and dried answer to this. And also, disclaimer, I am not a person that went to Jesus College and would know this. So I am leaning fully on scripture to be able to answer this for you. So this is not the Mindy Russell opinion piece. This is what does the scripture say? And I'm cheating off of my notes. So... I want you first to imagine with me a candle. 
Candles are nice. Candles remind me of birthday cakes. They can make your house smell really nice. If you're wanting to get romantic, it can set an ambiance in the room for you. Um, there you candles, go, Alan. Yeah. All right. Amen. Not on Sundays. <laughs> um, so, just kidding. Oh, gosh. Stop. Sorry. Stop. Hey, they're, stop. They're derail. Married. Derail. don't know that, they're um, Okay. Candle, candles are good. Do we agree with that? Candles are a good thing. Yes. Candles are good. But... In order to light a candle and use it for its intended purpose, you have to have some fire. And fire in the hand of somebody that is like my daughter um, maybe wouldn't be a great thing. If you're going to use a candle, you don't want to leave it in a two-year-old's room. You don't want to go to sleep with it. You want to make sure that you are using caution lest you burn your neighbor's house down. So, is drinking alcohol a sin? The answer is no, it is not a sin to drink alcohol. It is, however, a sin to be drunk. That is a sin. Being addicted to alcohol is a sin. Now, going to the scripture, this is why you are allowed to consume alcohol. Jesus' very first miracle was the wedding at Cana, and you can find that story in John 2. So Jesus, his mom, the disciples, they all head off to this wedding. Someone got married. It's a celebration. Something super embarrassing happens they run out of wine. Mary comes to Jesus and says, son, hoist up your camel, head over to Quick Trip, go get some more wine. We want to take care of our friends. Jesus says, lady, my time hasn't come yet. And so Mary goes to the servants. They come to Jesus and they have these ceremonial jars for washing that was part of Jewish custom. Now, these are not tiny jars. These are 20 to 30 gallon jars. They're enormous. They are filled with pure water Jesus changes that water into wine, and then when some of it is taken to the groom, the groom says, wait a second. Why did you not give us the good stuff first? This is amazing. What we had earlier was garbage. So Jesus made good wine. That is, um, that is evidence number one that it is okay to consume alcohol. So As Christians, we have freedom to consume alcohol, but just like with anything else, there are things we have to take into consideration. First thing, is it legal? If you're sitting in this room, youths, and and you are under the age of 21, it is sinful for you to consume alcohol because Romans 13 tells us to be subject to our governing authorities. Also, it depends on what you're going to be doing after you have that alcohol. The state says there is a very small amount that you can consume. And so if you consume that and get into a car and drive, sinful. Is it offensive? That's the second thing. 1 Corinthians 9.22 tells us to be all things to all people in order that we can reach all people. So you have to consider if it's offensive. If you are somewhere in the world where the belief is that consumption of alcohol makes you an unbeliever and you're trying to reach that people group, probably not the best place to throw one back. But if... But if it is offensive, for, for instance, I have a dream where a world-famous chef asks me to come and they cook a five-course meal for me and they've paired it with fancy wines that a girl from Barnstall can't pronounce. It would be super offensive when that is made to go with that meal and it's a gift and a sacrifice on the part of my host. It would be offensive for me to not engage in that. Uh, next, is it damaging? So we know 
For Christians, all things are lawful, not all things are helpful. Um, Alcohol can be damaging. It can damage your body if you go into it too much. It can become an addiction and an obsession that uh, can lead to domestic violence, um, neglect, all kinds of things that are not good things. So if it is damaging, that is where you would draw a sinful line. Uh, controlling, be not drunk with wine, but filled with the spirit. Is this going to affect your relationships? Is it going to affect your health? Is this going to cause somebody else to struggle? Um, is this going to be something that if somebody is trying to do the right thing, that they see you do it and it gives them permission to go ahead and do something that's not good for them? And then the last one is, are you set apart? The Bible gives us examples of people who are set apart. For instance, Samson and John the Baptist, they were told never to partake in any kind of alcoholic drink. Uh, Samuel, when he was in captivity, was told to abstain during that season from having alcohol. So you may very well be one of those people that God has called you to be set apart and that it is not okay for you to have a drink. So is alcohol a sin? Is drinking alcohol a sin? It is not. But I want to leave you with a quote from Wade Burleson, who is a former twice BGCO president and IMG trustee. He said this in his blog. He said, the idea that to drink a glass of wine or any other alcoholic beverage is a sin against God is so foreign to the teaching of the inspired and errant word of God that for anyone to say to a Christian who has no abstinence conviction... You are sinning against God when you drink a glass of wine is a sin in itself. To do so would be to accuse Jesus of possessing personal sin. The biblical prohibition is drunkenness. The inerrant Bible says be not drunk with wine and make no mistake, drunkenness is a sin. Awesome. Thank you, Mindy. Thoughts, gentlemen? <clears throat> that was good. You, you went over your time. There. Yeah, you went I already told you time. I was going to. Man, I guess we can do whatever we want. Okay. Hey, All I, things are permissible. Yeah. <laughs> what do you any any comments, guys? Anything? I thought you did a great job. That's <laughs> you have to of say. Of course, that. you said that. <laughs> no, I will say. I mean, at, growing up in a Baptist church, this was a topic that is was a much stricter viewed, you know, through through a lens of you know being safe, maybe, and so it just kind of was just don't don't ever do it. Uh, and yeah, I think when we look at the scriptures, it's, it seems pretty clear to me whenever we look at them. Yeah, we see uh, the consumption of, of alcohol throughout scripture. Um, it was done ceremonially. I mean, Jesus and his disciples did that with the Lord's Supper. It's just a core principle of who we are as believers in Christ. But, but also, you know, the Bible says we have Christian freedom, but we also have uh, to understand like there are limits to that, um, especially when you're around different kinds of people. The conviction that you have as a believer in Christ, as you look through Scripture and you say, you know what, that is n- just not for me. That's that's what God has called me to do. We're talking about being set apart. There's different people that were set apart. I mean, that's that's kind of on you. I think the danger comes for us is when we take that conviction, that personal conviction we have from God's Word, and we try to put that personal conviction on everybody else. When everybody else is looking at God's Word and saying, I have I have freedom in Christ. Um, now I need to be careful with that freedom. That's what the Bible says. We shouldn't just go crazy with that. Um, and there's a purpose for all those things. But we're not bound by law. We're bound by grace and love. But in the middle of that, we got to be thinking about other people. And so, yeah. And I think sometimes for our 
generation, you know, that grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, there was this parenting thought that you teach that as an absolute, you teach that you never, ever, ever do it. And I think that there were a lot of good conversations that were, that came out of a good intention, but were maybe lost because, you know, for safety. I mean, it would be great if anything that could hurt our kids, we could just be like, hey, just don't ever do this, never, ever, no. Yeah, so. that's right. I loved your illustration about the candle, though, because, you know, a candle can be a great thing, but also can be a disaster in the wrong hands. So something to think about as well, especially if, if addiction runs in your family, you know? That's something you might want to be thinking about uh, because it can become an addiction for sure. Yeah, all right. Okay, so whew, we started out strong there. All right, so I'm going to let Mindy, since you just went, I'm going to let you pick who you want to pick. Just mix them up. Who is it? No! It's you, bro. No, I switched you places. Okay. All right, I've never done a sermon for five minutes. <laughs> Good luck, Clayton. I haven't either. Okay. All right, so here is uh, my, my question um, for us. This is, they, they got, I picked a tough one. Okay. What happens to people when they die who never hear about Jesus? <laughs> okay, let's start that timer over again. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, um, so, man, that, this is a tough question. I think this question really comes from um, our idea of, of people having access to the gospel, right? So, yeah, people that they can hear it. Uh, they, they have a Bible. They've been told about Jesus. And then there's people who live in a, on a deserted island like that, metaf- you know, that, that hypothetical person that's never um, seen anybody else, and they're on this deserted island, never hear about Jesus, what happens to them um, when they die? Well, I think the Bible's really clear about a couple things, so let's kind of jump into that real quick. First, in the book of Romans, the Bible says this. The Bible says that all people know God. Everybody knows God. In fact, here's what it says. It says, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. So then the Bible, uh, Paul goes on and talks about how every single person on the planet in a small way, maybe it's just a sliver of a way, know that there, there is a God because they look outside and they see nature and they, think, they see how the world is. They say, man, somebody had to create this. There is something bigger and stronger and better than me. And so that's what he says right here and says this. So they have no excuse um, for not knowing God. And so all people know God, but there's something else in the next verse um, that says this. It says that all people reject God. So we, everybody knows God in some small way, but everybody rejects God. It says they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him. And instead, they worshiped the glorious, ever-living uh, God, and they worshiped idols. And so no matter what culture you're in, whether you're an American who worships money and has become an idol in your life, or you are a tribesman in the Amazon and you have a statue that you worship that's still an idol. And so here's the question. Okay, let me turn my notes. Where'd it go? Yeah, I should number them. Okay, let me ask this question. What happens to the innocent person um, on a remote island who never hears about Jesus and dies? What happens to that person? Here's what I think happens to that person. They go to heaven. I really do believe they go to heaven. You know why? Because that person doesn't exist. <laughs> that person, the innocent person doesn't exist. Every single one of us has sin in our lives. And so we have this hypothetical question that, you know, hey, this, uh, this 
uh, this innocent person that's out there, when they die, um, what happens to them? And that person just doesn't exist. I mean, here's what the Bible has to say about that. Nobody is innocent. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, um, not a single person. I mean, that's, it's pretty clear that that's, that's what the Bible says. I mean, so what should we do? Like, what, how, how do we deal with those people that are completely far away from God? They never hear about God. What happens to them? Well, I think we come, it comes from this false view that we have about, like, God and his goodness and his, his love and, hey, if that person never has a chance to respond to the gospel, I mean, shouldn't a good, loving God just, like, give him a free pass in, into heaven? I mean, because they haven't had a chance to accept, any, accept, accept the gospel. And I think it's, we have this default view that everybody gets heaven, right? Everybody, everybody gets to heaven. But the reality is, is the default view is that everybody gets hell. I mean, that's what Romans chapter 3 says. That's what Romans chapter 6 says, is that there is, there is sin. Every one of us sins, and there is a, a big cost um, to sin. So what, is, what does all this mean? Let me wrap it up in one minute. I'm like, I got one minute? Oh, my goodness. Okay. If someone gets a, a, a free ticket into heaven just simply by never hearing about Jesus, what does that mean for us? Here's what I, mean, I think it means. I think it means that we shouldn't tell anybody. Think about that. As long as someone never hears about Jesus, then they get into heaven. That's not true. That's backwards. That's wrong. But I think that's kind of the logical conclusion when we think that as long as someone never hears about Jesus, then they can get into heaven. The reality is the Bible says we're supposed to go constantly and tell people about Jesus. That's what Jesus says in the Great Commission. It also says in Acts chapter 1, we're supposed to go and be his witness. So here's my real answer. Everyone who lives has to respond to God. And everyone who's ever lived needs Jesus. Every one of us. And they need to hear about Jesus. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? The Bible is really clear that they need to hear about Jesus and we need to tell them. And so the question is, what happens to that person who never heard about Jesus and they die? The reality is, is that there's sin in their lives. And so without Jesus, they go to hell, which means that we need to do everything we can to tell everybody about him. There you go. Man, I went over 45 seconds. Okay, I tried. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, when you talked about that last truth about, you know, we should just not tell anyone, you know, if that is the case and the, the truth that they are lost and dying without us. It just, the urgency of the gospel, I think, is lost on me sometimes. And that, I mean, I'm wearing this shirt that says here, there, and everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. about how we're supposed to be sharing the gospel. And, like, there's people that have never heard of Jesus. And so it's, that's part of our job. And, uh, I mean, that's our task. Yeah, I think it's hard, but we just got to gotta trust God. There's things that we just don't understand and don't know. We rationalize things in our mind, but... Um, God is still God, and he's got a plan. And the sobering reality is, is that we are his plan. Like, the way people know about Jesus is through us, through his believers. So 
Can I throw you a curveball? Nope, not, not on stage. No, just kidding, go ahead. Um, what would you we have, say? We have, we have staff reviews. This oh, week. yes, okay, I, I just want to... um, What would you say to the person inside of the congregation right now that's saying, what about babies? Yeah, it's like the age of accountability. Yeah. Um, that's tough. What, what about people who have a, like a mental handicap and they can't make a decision for Christ? It's just they, they, they physically can't do that. What is... What does the Bible have to say about that? Um, I mean, David in Psalm, I'm not sure what Psalm it's in, but his, one of his babies dies, and he implies that he'll see him, uh, the baby again in heaven. And so, you know, and also Jesus loves kids, you know. Um, it talks about having just a simple kind of faith. We don't have to have a theologian's faith, but faith like a child. So, I mean, that's, that's a tough question. Um, is there an age accountability? That's, yeah, I don't know, but I know that God loves people. Um, I know that he knows them more intimately than, than we could ever um, think about another person. So, yeah, I think that babies are in heaven. I think people that don't have a, they physically can't respond, that, that God has a plan for them as well. So that's a tough question. I just think, again, you talked about the urgency of the message. God, you said God's plan is us. So there is a whole world full of unreached people groups, and that could be across the street from your house. That could be across mm -hmm. the world. And um, in and, and worldwide missions, that is one of the hardest places to get people to go. The training is so extensive. It takes so much prep work. Mm -hmm. And yet we all have a place in that, whether it is praying for those people, praying for their salvation, um, financially supporting and sending missionaries, or maybe one of you in here, God is is asking you to surrender your life to that and to go, and I think that that speaks to um, yep. to our responsibility in that. Yeah, I think we always associate this question with the guy in the jungle on some other planet, uh, <laughs> but I mean, the reality is we are in a post-Christian era. There's people probably in your neighborhood that there's kids growing up that they don't know who this Jesus person is. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not some vast, like, faraway nation or, yeah, you know, thing exactly. that, you know, we, it's our job. If you go to your kid's parking lot after school and someone cuts you off, you find out who the unreached people groups are. <laughs> is, that, is it you? It is not, but sometimes <laughs> I think about it. Yeah, I get you. Okay, awesome. Okay, I get to pick this next one since I already went. Ooh, who's it going to be? Bro, Ryland. Okay, Ryland, you ready for this? Man, you're getting I love the some, support. I know you got some Great. love in the audience over the there. Fans. Okay, <laughs> here is your question. Is there any sin that's unforgivable? My answer is yes. And no. <laughs> Great. So I'm sorry, I'm just a cop-out answer. Classic. Let me explain it to you, okay? Uh the unforgivable sin that maybe you've heard about, I think there's still confusion about what exactly this is. You know, maybe you've heard that it's suicide, or maybe you've heard that it's abortion or murder, or I feel like growing up, I, I had this thinking that it was like taking the Lord's name in vain uh, or blasphemy, and uh, it's, it's not any of those. It's not even unbelief, but there is a sin that's unforgivable. How do we know that? because Jesus actually said so. So let's look at the scripture 
This is in three different gospels. We're gonna look at it in Mark chapter three, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says this, truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. So we read that verse, and I think the natural question that that we have is, oh my gosh, like what if I've done this? What if I've accidentally done this unpardonable sin? And so it's, it's this fear, and we wonder like why would Jesus say this? And if we just keep reading, Jesus actually tells us why he's saying this. In verse 30, he, Jesus, said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Those are the Pharisees that he's talking about because up in verse 22, these Pharisees saw Jesus working and doing miracles and casting out demons, and this is what they said. He is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. And so the context of Jesus saying this, I think, is super important, right? We have these Pharisees that they were confronted with the truth, like Christ in the flesh, God incarnate, and yet they didn't just say, I'm not sure about this guy, you know, isn't he from Nazareth? They took it the next step and said, like, this is of Satan, and that's whenever Jesus responded with that. But it's not, you know, just not believing, because it's not even blasphemy. We, we know that Paul, later on uh, in 1 Timothy, he said this, even though I was once a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. So here's where it, where it all comes down to for us today, I think, is this. The only unpardonable sin today is that of continued unbelief. Because I think it's important for us to realize, like, if we say there's a sin that God cannot forgive, like, we're limiting his power, right? And it's kind of going against other scriptures. We think of 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins, cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, right? So think about it like this. God has this gift of salvation and he's, he's offering it to you. And for you to not just say, not right now, for you to slap it out of his hands and say, away from me, Satan, and for you to never accept this gift of salvation, then you die, you're not accepting his forgiveness. So he can't forgive you. You know, it's, it's almost switching your mind of like, what am I gonna do that God can't forgive to what am I not allowing Christ to forgive me of? And so I hope that's helpful, you know, and not to live in this fear that some people do of like, oh my gosh, what if I accidentally did that sin? Or, you know, we, we see these tragedies happen in people's lives um, we go to a funeral of someone who, who maybe has committed suicide and we, we wonder in the back of our minds, like, are they in heaven? Well, then you would be saying like suicide, that the sin of taking your own life is bigger than Christ's forgiveness, that his blood is not sufficient. And we know that that's just not true. So the only unpardonable sin today is that of continued unbelief. So yes and no. Man. Okay. That was great. 30 seconds left. I yield my time. <laughs> yeah, moderator. Can I, can I, I take that took time, his time. Back? Okay. I'm just going to take that as part of my time. Any other thoughts on that? I, th- I think the, the whole thing about like abortion or, or uh, suicide, 
those get kind of real and people think just because they're so, so tough and they're so difficult, um, they're tragic. And a lot of people think, well, that is the unpardonable sin, especially like suicide because you sit in a funeral, like you're saying, and that person uh, never had a chance to ask God to forgive them of that sin because they actually literally died because of that sin. And so what happens to them? Uh, but just, you're, you nailed it that if you think that that sin is unpardonable, then what you're saying is that sin is stronger than the blood of Christ, you know, and it's not. Um, Jesus, the Bible, over, over and over again says all sin. Um, so, it's, yeah, I think that's a great answer that, look, man, it's, it's continued unbelief. That is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You're saying the Holy Spirit is not working in Jesus' life, so he is not the Savior. I do not need to trust in him. Yeah. It's also really freeing because I think that sometimes we get in our mind that we have done this thing. We have um, taken part in some sin that is so heavy that we can't ever set it down and have the relationship with God that, you know, brings us into unity with him. And that's not at all true. If, if we've accepted him, he can, he can carry any sin that we could um, do or imagine. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Ryland. We're going to go to the last one here. One left. I'll let, I'll let you pick this one. Who, who, is who it? can it be? Hey, okay. It's Noah. It's Noah. I'm Noah guy. We saved the best for last. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. Okay, here is your, here is your question. Are tattoos sinful? Good luck. Yep. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no. I think that when we are looking at this and we're like, hey, are tattoos sinful? We often just like navigate to Leviticus 19, 28, which says, and it's probably been yelled at you if you have a tattoo, you shall not make any cuts on your body from for the dead or tattoo yourselves, I am the Lord. And I think what is cool about this uh, is that uh, we can take something that, that God meant for something a, a time and, and, and something that, that definitely did have a reason for him saying this, and we can kind of put it on other people and judge people for getting tattoos. And this isn't saying that tattoos are sin, and we're going to get to your, you've got questions for me. I'm going to answer those questions in a minute. Um, but this isn't sufficient because from what we know about this verse and what's going on around this verse is that God is making all of these strict guidelines for the Levites, and he's giving them instruction to not look like the world or not look like their old selves. So they've turned away from the things of this world, and they're supposed to be turning to God, and it's supposed to be the set-apart, holy relationship. Well, uh, the verse before this says, you should not cut your hair or trim your beard. And our pastor got that on lock. His beard is flawless and his head is bald. Do you think right. that also applies to chin whiskers on women? Yes. So these, Let's not go there. So these Levitical laws that these women are, are like, I want to trim my chin hair. And they can't. They really just can't do it. Ooh, that's, that's not wrong. a world I want to live in. And the truth is, and I don't care about the time anymore because <laughs> we laughed. Um, the, the thing is, is, is that we have to look elsewhere inside of the Bible. And also, I think that there are other strategic questions we may want to ask before marring up our body and, and, and kind of making uh, a 
you know, it into a canvas. So um, this is what I want you guys to think. Think before you ink. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Um, or a tattoo. Or a tattoo. <laughs> Sorry. Don't do that. So um, ask yourself this. Why am I wanting this? What message would I be saying? Could I be causing someone to lust over the image or the location of said tattoo? And will I want it later? And I think that even a bigger question than those things is this. Could I use it to point people to Jesus? And, and when we look at the Bible, we see that like in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says this. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. We are called as Christians to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And actually, for Christians, we have no say in the matter. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like we are, we we are the like the ambassadors, which reminds me of another verse I'm going to talk about. We we are called to be set apart for the gospel. And if by by tattooing up your body that that takes away from you being the temple of the Holy Spirit, then you shouldn't be getting that tattoo. Also, the Bible urges us to honor our parents. And this is the student pastor in me. Let me just tell you. Ephesians 6, 1 through 2 says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. If you are under your, your parents' household and they say, do not get a tattoo, do not get a tattoo. Period. And, and it's, it's because you ought to obey your parents. Any tattoo born out of, um, out of rebellion, that's sinful. Period. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. Like I mentioned earlier, we are Christ's ambassadors. What does your tattoo say? So this is exactly what it says. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So wherever you go, whatever you say, wherever you stand, whatever is tattooed on your body, you better be able to still be an ambassador for Christ. So if you, by getting a tattoo, whatever tattoo that might be, you are unable to be an ambassador for Christ. You are not able to be an advocate for Jesus. You shouldn't get that tattoo. So there are tattoos that are sinful. But this, I think, is sums up ex like, like what the answer is. Is this. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this. Do everything for the glory of God. Actually, it says this. Um, so whether you drink, eat, or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. No matter where you are, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. And if your tattoo that you have causes you to sin. It causes others to sin. It sets you um, apart from God and, and puts you in, in the, I guess, the wheelhouse of, of the world saying, glorify me, look at me, honor me, worship me, then you shouldn't have that tattoo. But is it a sin? Nope. <laughs> and <laughs> Mindy? Okay, so I'm curious. Who on our staff is a heathen 
and has a tattoo on the count of three, if you are on staff and you have a tattoo, I want you to raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Yep. <laughs> I have a whole shirt, t-shirt of tattoos under here. So you guys won't see them, but... So, of course it's not a sin. You've already got them. Exactly. <laughs> right. Why'd so they give this question to, to me? justify I, what you're but doing. In, I asked my parents if I could, and also I was 35. <laughs> You guys want to see him? And she never no, told no, her no, grandma no, no, no. either. I did, yeah, I, yeah, my grandma's hey, in heaven. I can't I, tell I, now. Honestly. That's why I'm saying this on film. I had, I had a deacon. I'm not going to say which deacon it is. He, he said he would give Noah $40 if he showed his I'm tattoo. so tempted. But I do not do that. Because that $40 do would not go very far. Um, yeah. So, so don't you do don't that. You don't need uh, to see him. Yeah, face. don't do that. Okay. So, man, I, this is a tough one because, I mean, the Bible in the Old Testament is, I mean, it's clear about not getting a tattoo. But uh, can you share any more about like Leviticus or why does it say that in the Old Testament and well, the, but in the New Testament? The Levitical laws, everything going on inside of that situation, talking about don't cut your hair, don't, uh, don't mark up your body, is, is because we, like I said, we, it, it, was, it was of this world or it was worship of a false god, someone who isn't the one true god. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, Jesus does not reiterate, hey, don't get tattoos. So what we, by looking at the, at the Bible, calling ourselves Christians, little Christ, little Jesuses, and we're walking around trying to exclaim his name, we, we, we look at our lives and we say, okay, Jesus never spoke against tattoos. And he wasn't like, hey, everyone can be saved except for the tattooed person. Or once you're a Christian, you can't get another tattoo. Um, you might have had one in the past. It doesn't say that. There's no, th- there's nothing. So, so we have to say, no. Can, can tattoos be sinful? Yes. Um, but they're not a sin So when, when are they sinful? They're sinful when they honor anything other than God. When we can't, we can't be an ambassador or, or it causes us to sin or causes someone else to sin. It causes us to not be able to represent Christ okay. well. So. I think, though, on, a, on an evangelistic note, though, yeah. if you talk to anybody that has a tattoo, I guarantee you there is a story behind it. Um, we had one of our senior adults from first service that showed me their tattoos. What? Um, it was beautiful. There, there was one on each arm. Um, one side was uh, the Native American heritage that they share and then the fact that they were a veteran. That was on their left arm and on their right arm. Um, they had a symbol for Jesus and said that the reason that this person chose their right arm is because that was their strong side and they always want to remember where their strength came from. I mean, you guys, if you tell a non-Christian that story... How incredible is that? Yeah. And if you ask somebody their story about their tattoo, you're going you're gonna to be able to get to know them um, in a way that might give you an opportunity to share with them, which I think is fun. Yeah, I think it's good. So you're saying that a tattoo in itself is not a sin, but the way you get it can be sinful, right? The reason behind it, uh, the why behind it, where you put it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll see how this goes in all the comments sections after uh, this message. But hey, here's the deal, guys. We just want to be a church that's just real and authentic. I mean, these are things that we deal with um, all the time. These are real questions that people have. And I think it's important um, for us to, 
to address these and not just beat around the bush or just talk about good things and easy things up here on stage. We need to know how are we supposed to live based off of God's word in, in a world that's not our own. And uh, I told the staff this as we were preparing for this, that um, every time you get up here and speak, man, don't rest on your opinion. Um, rest on God's word all the time because otherwise it's just you up here and it's just your opinion. All the weight is on you and that is way too much for you to have to bear. But when you put all of your hope, um, all of your answers all of your theology, all the ways that you live on God's word, then there's freedom in that. And say, you know what? You may not like my answer, but that's what the Bible has to say, okay? Um, and I know we have a lot of traditions here in this room. I know we have a lot of convictions. I think it's important to remember that whatever conviction that you have, make sure it's based off of God's word. But also, when in the middle of Christian freedom, don't put your convictions on other people, um, let's, let's have our own convictions, and most of the time our convictions are going to line up together, but we do have Christian freedom in the middle of it. Uh, because here's the deal, God's not a God of, of just rules, he's a God of love, and he wants people to know about him, and he wants them to live based on his word, not based on a set of rules, but because of the love they have for Jesus. And let our love for Jesus overflow in the way that we live our lives, all right? Let's pray. God, we, uh, we love you. Thank you for uh, our staff. Thank you for the, the difficult questions that we even have, um, but we thank you so much for God's word, um, that you gave us so many answers to the questions that we have. And it's not easy um, to live as a Christian in this world. But God, I pray that each one of us would find our convictions about these questions, not based on tradition, not because a second grade Sunday school teacher um, told us how to, how to believe, but based off of what God's word has to say. And that we have questions that we would go to, go to your word and we would study it and we would find our answers from that. Because, God, we are a church that uh, we are not founded on Baptist beliefs, whatever that means. We are a church that is founded on scripture. What does your word have to say, God? We want to chase after you. We want to do everything that you called us to do. We want to live in Christian freedom when we can do that. And we want to, to live holy lives when you've called us to do that as well. So God, help us to find that, that right balance so that we can tell a lost world about you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.